Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, for me, my type structure, I thought I had to be like positive and happy and free. And like, I would only be okay if I was those things. And I would only be loved if I was those things. Um, the Enneagram reveals this opportunity for us to actually experience a more deep, uh, more complex way to be um, if we step out of this kind of, it's almost like an armor that we put on to protect ourselves. You are listening to Veggie Doctor Radio, and this is episode number 142. Welcome to Veggie Doctor Radio. I am your host, Dr. Yami, board-certified pediatrician, certified lifestyle medicine physician, certified health and wellness coach, author, speaker, mother, wife, and human being. I passionately believe in the power of diet, habits, and mindset in sparking and sustaining well-being and joy in our lives. This podcast combines expert interviews and thoughtful monologues to explore plant-based nutrition, lifestyle medicine, parenting, mindset, and other exciting and fun topics. I hope that these episodes inspire you, uplift you, and equip you with the knowledge and tools to live your best life. Are you ready to get started? Let's do it. Hello, veggie lovers. Welcome back to Veggie Doctor Radio. We are now in the month of love, February. And this month, I'm going to be focusing on relationships because relationships are so important. We often think about relationships with other people, with our friends and family, romantic relationships, but one relationship that's very important is the relationship we have with ourselves. Do you accept yourself the way you are? Do you understand yourself, why you do the things that you do? This episode is going to be about the relationship with yourself, specifically through learning the Enneagram. Have you heard of this, the Enneagram? I know it's a really strange word. Maybe you've heard other people talk about it and you're like, the Enneagram what? What are you talking about? So I learned more about the Enneagram about a year ago, and it's made such a huge difference in my life, not just the relationship with myself, but also in my marriage. It's just been revolutionary. It's really opened my heart and my mind and just taken me to a whole nother level 
of appreciating life, appreciating the people around me, understanding them a bit more, having more empathy for them, but also for myself. So this episode, I want to focus on ourselves. And so I brought Sarah Jane Case, who is the founder of Enneagram and Coffee, and also the book, The Honest Enneagram, which came out in 2020. So this episode will be about the Enneagram and more specifically how we can use the Enneagram to get to know ourselves better and to accept ourselves. So I hope that you love it. Definitely a very introductory episode on the Enneagram. So you're not going to learn about all the types or anything. It's more about what it is, why it may benefit you to learn more about it. So I hope that you love it. Before I tell you more about Sarah Jane Case, let me remind you, especially for my new listeners, if you're looking for resources on plant-based nutrition or even nutrients of concern, you are looking for ways that you want to decrease meat in your diet, decrease dairy in your diet, you need some ideas for breakfast, lunch, for snacks, those kinds of things, I have lots of great resources at dryami.com forward slash free. That's D-O-C-T-O-R-Y-A-M-I.com forward slash free. So go on over there, check out my resources, download the PDFs that you feel are going to help you most in your life right now. There's a lot of different offerings. I want to also thank you so much for being a loyal listener. And I would like to give a shout out to invite plants to every meal who gave me a five-star review on Apple podcast entitled look no further. She's the one invite plants to every meal says To say that finding Dr. Yami was priceless is an understatement. Her genuine and fun personality, along with an extreme wealth of knowledge, keep you informed and aware. Her podcasts give you a similar feeling of talking to a friend for advice. She shares information in a way that anyone can understand and feel like part of the conversation. Promoting a plant-based lifestyle is key for many of us, especially as moms and parents. To find someone willing to sit down and plant the seeds of plant life is an amazing fine and ended with a smiley face. I love the puns. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Invite plants to every meal. I appreciate that review so much. And thank you for being a loyal listener. I know this month is going to be a little different because I'm not talking about plants this month, but one of the things about this podcast is I want to give you resources to live your best life. Eating plants is one of those. So definitely eat plants and eat your beans get your sleep, get your exercise, but also improving our relationships because connection is so important. But before we can connect to other people, we have to get to know ourselves better. The more we get to know ourselves, the more that we're able to accept ourselves, the more we have to give, which maybe it seems kind of selfish in some ways. Like, you know, we we're with ourselves all the time. Why do you want to get to know yourself? But there's some things you may not realize or understand about yourself that whenever you're doing some of this personal development work, you, you understand better, you understand your motivations and you understand what kind of decisions or what kind of actions you can take to improve your life, to go in the direction that you want to go for your goals and your dreams, your aspirations, whether that has to do with your business or your health and 
wellness, or if it just has to do with your family life and your relationships with your friends and family. So this episode is starting that conversation on relationships. So it's a little bit different, but I think it's going to be super, super valuable. So this week we're going to be talking about relationship with yourself. And then next week we will be discussing romantic relationships. The following week, it'll be friendships. And then the last week, last Sunday of this month, it's going to be parent-child relationships. And I know that that's gold for all our parents out there that want to know, how can I improve this relationship? What kind of things can I do? All of this is super helpful for me, and I hope that it will be helpful for you. Well, before I play my conversation with Sarah Jane Case. Let me tell you more about her. So Sarah Jane is an author, speaker, podcaster, and now YouTuber based out of Asheville, North Carolina. She's been featured in publications like Apartment Therapy, The Every Girl, Parade Magazine, and was named a 2018 Person on the Rise by HoneyBook. With an Instagram account of over half a million followers, a podcast that regularly stays at the top of the charts in self-help, and a book that launched in April of 2020, Sarah Jane is a rising leader in the self-help industry. You can find more from her on Instagram at Enneagram and Coffee. Her podcast, Enneagram and Coffee, can be found on iTunes and Spotify and her website, EnneagramandCoffee.com. Her book is called The Honest Enneagram, and you can find it wherever books are sold. Okay, so Sarah Jane and I talk about, like I said, the basics, what's the Enneagram, how she learned about it, how did it even come to be, what point does your Enneagram type start to develop, how early can you type somebody, this specifically for children, for those of us that have children, and we want to know whether you can type children. She talks about subtypes, and then we talk about how learning about the Enneagram can benefit us in our relationship. We talk about how numbers go from place of stress to place of rest and how it can help us in our relationships and lots and lots of things. The most common Enneagram pitfalls that she sees. I think this is really great. And she gives specific tools that you can use to discover your type. I think this is really important. One of the biggest pitfalls she talks about is that sometimes people take a quiz and they're like, oh, that doesn't describe me. And then they just give up. But I found personally that I learned more about what type I was by just reading and reading and reading and reading as much as I could about the different types. And I did it on Instagram, which is a great place because you have these beautiful infographs that you can follow the different Enneagram experts and Enneagram teachers on Instagram. And every day you can learn little tidbits of every type. And that really helped me. So I just immersed myself in it, learned more about it. And I was able to really pin down what my type is, learned a little bit more about subtypes and wings and all of that. So it is a journey. And if you're interested in it, just get started and just read and be patient and don't give up. So it's a great conversation. I hope that you love it. I hope that you look into the Enneagram, find out what type you are, and that it helps you discover more about yourself. Enough from me. Let's hear the conversation between me and Sarah Jane Case of Enneagram and Coffee. Coffee. 
Sarah Jane Case from Enneagram and Coffee. Thank you so much for joining me on Veggie Doctor Radio today. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Well, this is a dream come true, actually. I've been learning about the Enneagram probably a little over a year now. When I came to it, it was one of those things. People kept saying the word, and I'm like, what are you talking about? What is this Enneagram thing? It sounded really mysterious. But once I learned about it, I'm like, wow, this is for me. I loved it. I've been really delving into it. And I just wanted to find the perfect expert to come on my show so that other people can learn about this way of getting to know ourselves. So before we go any further, what is the Enneagram? Yeah. So the Enneagram, you could compare it to something like maybe Myers-Briggs or even astrology, just like, um, you know, ways that we compartmentalize or understand people. Um, The big difference here is that there are nine distinct type structures, but really what the type structures are telling us is what we think we have to be. So it's, mm-hmm. it's giving us this information of like, oh, this is who you thought you had to be your whole life. And the Enneagram is inviting us into not using that as a protective mechanism anymore. Awesome. Oh, I love the way you made that distinction. I think that's really good. So how did you get to know about the Enneagram and learn about it and become so passionate about it? Yeah, I, you know, I found it because, you know, my husband and I, he was my boyfriend at the time, we were just talking to friends of ours, and we were discussing the ways that we show up and the ways that we think about things. And they were like, I I imagine hearing our type patterns show up in the conversation. And we're like, have you heard about the Enneagram? And so that was kind of the entry point. So I went home and I we dove into it. We both took a test online. And, um, you know, at the time it took me about two years to self-type, mm. which I wouldn't trade for anything because taking that time to really research every single number, um, just helped me to become so obsessed with the system as a whole. I think a lot of times when you get introduced to a system like this, you read about your type and then you walk away. Mm -hmm. And because it took me so long to type, I just dove headfirst into all the numbers and I was, I just became obsessed. Um, at the time I was coaching. So I was helping people to recover from burnout and the Enneagram was just this amazing tool for us to go deep fast and to be able to say, get to not only like, what are your behaviors that you're doing, but also why are we doing those behaviors? What are we trying to earn um, through this, this behavior? That's so cool. And I love how you talked about, it took you so long to actually discover what your type is, because that means you were able to approach each type objectively Mm -hmm. and with fresh eyes and learn about it and learn all the things about it. Not just like, Mm -hmm. okay, this is my type. Maybe some people might think maybe this is the best type. <laughs> I'm biased that way. Okay, I'm just going to admit it, right? But anyway, um, so that's really neat how you were able to explore it that way in a different mm-hmm. way that most of us go, okay, what's our type? Then we just learn a lot about that type and maybe we don't know about other types. Mm-hmm. What do you love about the Enneagram the most? You know, I think the Enneagram is this amazing language that I I think it gives us ways to ask better questions, ways to know ourselves and to know other people, um, in a level to a level of intimacy that I haven't I haven't experienced with anything else. When I read um, books or descriptions of my type, and it 
kind of penetrates into the deeper um, makings of my soul in a way that I haven't experienced with anything else. Um, The other really amazing thing about the Enneagram is it's showing us this thing you thought your whole life you had to be. So you, you know, for me, my type structure, I thought I had to be like positive and happy and free. And like, I would only be okay if I was those things. And I would only be loved if I was those things. Um, The Enneagram reveals this opportunity for us to actually experience a more deep, uh, more complex way to be. um, If we step out of this kind of, it's almost like an armor that we put on to protect Mm -hmm. ourselves. That's so beautiful. I love the way that you explain that. Well, you know, I am all about evidence base and I'm all about research. And on this podcast, I talk a lot about that, but the Enneagram might be a little bit different. So can you tell me a little bit about the history of the Enneagram? Who developed Mm -hmm. it? Is it scientific? Is it evidence-based? Is there any research on it at all? Where did this come from? (laughs) You know, I think that's a great, a great question. There is, um, you know, there's early, early, symbols or things that kind of show up like the Enneagram as early as like the Greek, like ancient Greek, um, tradition. And, um, the earliest thing that we could really point back to is this, this man called George Gurdjieff. And he is kind of our first, um, kind of founding father of the Enneagram, I think is the easiest way to say it. Um, And then kind of simultaneously, there's this man called Oscar Achazo, and they were kind of building the Enneagram separately, um, but doing the same work. And then Claudio Naranjo, who he really just passed away a couple of years ago, um, he kind of modernized the Enneagram and brought it into the mainstream. And he was a psychologist. And so he's the one who kind of paired the work of the Enneagram with like modern psychology kind of ideals. Um, and then now we just have all of these like modern, um, most of like our major schools of thought or tradition around the Enneagram, which there are several, are run by psychologists. So it's kind of more in that world. Um, and they've all each kind of done their own research and their own studies. But I, you know, I, I like to be really upfront and say like, I think it's just a series of observations. Yeah. Like I honestly, it's kind of got this like kind of amorphous, confusing background. Um, and I really just believe it's like we watched people um, and we interviewed people and we talked to people, not me as we, but like the Enneagram community. Um, and there were patterns and they found the patterns and they put them together. Yeah. But it works. I mean, it's just yeah, so it's- kind of- it's weird. (laughs) It's weird. Um, and you know, I am one of those people I'm kind of weird in that I love science and I love research, but then there's just some things in life that maybe you can't even explain, but it just works. Mm -hmm. So this might be one of those things. Tell me a little bit more about where does the Christianity part come into it? Because I do Mm -hmm. see that there's some origins with Christianity. And sometimes you see that in some of the influencers and experts on the Enneagram Mm -hmm. weaving that into their teachings. You know, I think I would say this really, the Christianity piece really started with Richard Rohr, who is an, he's a, I don't think he doesn't teach on the Enneagram as much anymore, but years ago he did. And then he trained people like Suzanne Stabile, who, who are more in that world. Um, And they brought kind of Enneagram into the Christian mainstream. And I think that, you know, I, I'm personally not religious, but I would say that people, you know, I come from a religious background and a lot of that work for me in Christianity was about like self-improvement, um, understanding how I could be a better person. And so I think that they kind of go hand in hand and 
from my experience in, in the Christian world, there's a lot of community and the Enneagram is so helpful in community because you're better able to understand your limitations, the ways that you judge and perceive other people. And um, it makes community much easier. Mm-hmm. And I guess it's just another way that together we can do personal development, self-improvement. Mm-hmm. And for those people that are religious, get closer to God in that way. Mm-hmm. But don't have to be religious to learn about the Enneagram. It doesn't necessarily have to go hand in hand, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, so there are some Christians who are very anti-Enneagram and some who are very pro-Enneagram and mm-hmm. some, you know, I, I think it's, it's, I wouldn't correlate them necessarily. However, I think it can be useful in your walk with, with God, if that's your choice. Awesome. Thank you for explaining that. Yeah. One of the burning questions I have, because I'm a parent and I have two children, ages Mm -hmm. 11 and almost 16, at what point does one's type develop and can it ever change or evolve? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I am a big fan of this one theory of the Enneagram that's not universally accepted, but it is one that I'm a, I'm a big fan of, which is called the soul child, which is this idea that who we are as children is the number that we move to in rest. So in the Enneagram, you have a number that you move to in stress and a number you move to when you feel like at ease or you feel safe. Um, and so the idea being that there's this number that you are when you are secure. And then as you grow, you learn it's actually not safe to be that type. And so you put on the armor of the type that you've chosen and that you end up in as adulthood. Um, Some people say this can happen as early as like pre-cognitive thinking, like before you can really articulate your thoughts or feelings, you've experienced things that have shown you you can't be this type. So um, there's not a ton of like definitive answers around what age. Um, But what I would say is we really can't type anyone else. So they have to be able to type themselves. Mm -hmm. And because it's so motivation-based and internal that we, you know, when they get old enough, I would say 10, 11, um, maybe 12, where they can really start to think for themselves, why did I make the decision that I'm making here? What is um, driving the decisions that I'm making? Um, But then the other, so when we get into the reason I bring up soul child is because these younger years, we could be experiencing their type, but we also could be experiencing um, kind of their pre-type, the type that they're going to end up protecting in the long run. Um, so the way we have, you know, we have a nine-year-old and the way that we have approached it is to just ask him often, um, why did you, you know, like, let's talk about this. We don't like to use the questions why, because they sound accusatory, but like, what were you thinking about? What was going on here? Um you know, we have like a decent understanding through those conversations with him about what his type might be. Mm -hmm. Um, but we will never tell him what we think it is because we want him to tell us. Yes. Yes. And that was one of the things I wanted to talk about later, Mm -hmm. but before we get to that, um, you know, I, I don't think I fully understood the soul child thing. So I'm glad that you explained that because now that makes a lot more sense to me how that might develop and evolve, but say once you're an adult and you have this armor type or, you know, the type that you develop to as an adult, can you be more than one type? Because I think that that is uh, something that's confusing for a lot of people. They just go online, they take a test and they're like, I'm a seven, four, two or something like that. Um, so can you be more than one type? And then are there subtypes? Yeah. So, um, 
simple answer. You have one type. It's the same type your whole life. That doesn't mean that you are the same your whole life. Um, it just means that you are likely going to be in relationship to this pattern your whole life. Um, however, there is a theory called tri-type theory, which is again, very contested. Um, this is why there's so many schools of the Enneagram. So we can go so, so deep, um, which I love, but the tri-type theory set suggests that there are, so there's three centers of the Enneagram, head, heart, and gut. And each of those centers has three types. So our gut center has types eight, nine, and one. Our heart center has types two, three, and four. And our head center has types five, six, and seven. Tri-type theory suggests that maybe we have a dominant type in each center. Um, so sometimes people will say, I lead with type seven, and then I am like a seven, nine, Two, you know, and, it, and that gives you kind of like a bigger picture according to that theory. Mm. I am of the thought that like focus on the one, like pick your, you know, you, your dominant type is really the one that you're in consistent relationship to. And at the end of the day, we all have some of every type in us. Yeah. And so we can exercise our empathy muscle and our growth muscle by really figuring out what in me is every type and mm. how can I explore that. But Step one, like figure out your dominant type and really see what needs to kind of be improved there, what can be worked on there. Um, and yes, there are subtypes. Subtypes are maybe one of my favorite elements of the Enneagram. Um, what this looks like is each type has kind of three distinct ways that we survive. So it's like self-preservation and one-to-one -one or intimacy uh, and then social, which is like, where am I in the social standing? Every type has three distinct subtypes um, of those, and they show up in different ways. So, so intimate types tend to be more fiery, more like they make direct eye contact, a little more passionate. Self-preservation types are more focused about keeping themselves safe, having a like a safe family unit. And social subtypes, again, are focused on where are they in the social standing. And so that's going to add a little bit of a distinct flavor to your number. Mm -hmm. And that, I think that's important to talk about because I think when people look at the, this ways of looking at personality, some people bristle at like being labeled or like, I can't fit into a category. You can't put me in a category, but really it's just so much more expansive than that. I don't really see any two people as being exactly the same. Mm -hmm. Not only are these, they're different subtypes, but you know, like you said, you, you just approach life in a different way. So whenever you say focus on the one type. One of the things that's a little different with the Enneagram, like you pointed out before, is to understand like our motivation. What's our main desire? What's our main fear? Is that the way that you explain to people how that they can discover their own type? Like what process did you take during those two mm -hmm. years that you were typing yourself? Yeah. Honestly, I will say it took me two years because I second guessed my first understanding. So I will say I took the test online, which you can do that. Just don't expect your result to be accurate. Mm -hmm. um, if you get the result, you read the description and you're like, Meh, you're, you haven't been typed correctly. Because when you read the description of your type, like it is awkward and it is deep and it feels like you're exposed. <laughs> So when you get that feeling, you know, you're there. And I, I, I got that feeling. I typed as a type two, which a lot of like female identifying people in our culture do. Um, but I, 
yeah, I typed as a type two. I was like, mm, I can see this kind of, you know, I'm, I think I'm nice. Um, so <laughs> type twos are the helper. And so I was like, oh, I'm friendly. I'm fun. I'm easy to get along with. And then I read my husband. He typed as a seven and I read his type. And I was like, I feel like someone read my journal out loud. Um, like my whole life has been watched and it was written on this piece of paper. And so I honestly, like my gut knew the moment I read the description of my type, um, it was just my, everyone else perceives me as warmer than that description would describe, um, or more selfless. And that's because in each of those subtypes, each subtype has a counter type or each type has one subtype that looks different in behavior than they do in motivation. Mm. So for me, it took me so long because my behavior didn't necessarily always match my motivation because I was counter type. Um, so I will say I was a little bit weird in that sense. So when I'm telling someone else what they should do, I either say hire a professional, um, let them t- walk you through a typing process and let them guide you through that. That's the quickest way. Um, However, I wouldn't trade my journey for anything. So I will say, um, you know, if you take a quiz online, use that as your starting point, not your end point. This is where you begin and then go in deeper and really just start to read about like, what are the fears? What are the motivations? And focus on the underneath, the motivators, not the behaviors. Because again, that's where I got confused as I was focusing on my behavior, which my behavior was one, I was counter type. And two, I've grown, you know, since I've, I've learned these things without the Enneagram, you know, I learned to be more selfless because, you know, that's what a good person does sometimes, you know, but, um, that wasn't maybe necessarily my first choice. And so learn going underneath and really focusing on the motivation, the basic fear will get you there a little bit faster. Yeah. And that brings up my thoughts from when I first took a quiz. So I was typed or my top three possibilities were four, two, and seven. Mm -hmm. And I think too, sometimes what might happen to us is that we see types that we'd like to be like, Mm -hmm. like, I really would like to be more helpful to other people. (laughs) Honestly, I'm pretty kind of self-centered and (laughs) I really want to take care of myself first. But so I think sometimes maybe we see other types and we're like, man, I kind of want to be more like that. Mm-hmm. And so I think that can be a little distracting sometimes mm-hmm. too. So that just made me think of that when you talked about the two, because it happened to me too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I will say as a seven, like I have a pretty high self-regard, um, like I just kind of na- naturally. And so I think if I think something's good, like, oh, I think it's good to be helpful, then I must be helpful because like, I'm awesome. Um, so I, you know, every type is going to have like a different bias, but that's kind of, I have a positive bias on, on most things. I love it. I'm a type seven too. Yeah. yeah. I, I totally <laughs> I guessed. understand how that works. Okay. So <laughs> In your opinion and your experience with this, how can learning your Enneagram number, your type, how can that benefit you? How can it improve your relationship with yourself? You know, I think, again, the first piece of this being you realize that you've thought you had to be something, right, in order to earn love or acceptance. And most of the time, this thing that we felt like we had to be, we thought was the right way for everyone to be. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, again, I'll use myself as an example, but like as a seven, like positive thinking was the thing, like that is the way to be a good person. That is the way around the world. Um, Keep your spirits up. And that is 
there's a high side to that. You know, that's amazing sometimes. And sometimes it does me a disservice because I'm not willing to go into the deep, dark pit of emotion and because, and especially not in front of anyone else. And so a lot of my self-acceptance happened, like deeper self-acceptance had to happen through that, like letting someone see me and my messy parts, letting someone see me like crying on the floor on a bad day, um, which is something that was very private for me before. It was like, I would like come to a party and I would like have a good time. I'd show up late, I'd leave early and then I'd go home and like any sad feelings I had, either I didn't feel them at all, or I would hide them for my, you know, I keep them private. Um, the moment I was allowing myself to be seen in this like darkness or in this messiness, um, and allowing myself to love myself there and just let myself be okay there. Um, that's when like the deep self-acceptance could happen. And I think for some types it can happen a little bit more, you know, twos struggle with like, can I give myself time and space, um, to just love, to give myself, my own attention. Um, sevens, we don't struggle with that as much, right? Like I can give myself time and space, but can I still like myself when I'm complaining? Can I still like myself when I'm angry? Um, that's a little bit harder. Yes. Self-acceptance is, is gold. You know, mm-hmm. I feel like it's the entry point to so much growth because mm-hmm. once we understand why we do some things, mm-hmm. you know, it, it does, it's not because we're bad or any of those things. It's just because that's how we learn to do it. And I feel mm-hmm. like the Enneagram has helped me so much on that self-acceptance journey, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I was the kind as a type seven that there's never enough of anything. Hey humans, I know you want to eat healthier, but feel strapped for time. And even the thought of meal planning and cooking stresses you out. Well, have you considered trying a meal kit service? Green Chef is the number one meal kit for eating well, delivering pre-portioned and prepped quality whole foods with limited processed ingredients. Green Chef sends organic, fresh produce, and chef-designed recipes in every box for satisfying, nourishing, and convenient meals that make it easy to stick to a healthy living routine. Find recipes for every lifestyle, including plant-based diets. Green Chef delivers quality whole foods with limited processed ingredients, including low added sugar and sodium smart options. You get to choose from 80 plus flavor packed options that allow you to take back time in your kitchen with dinner ready in 30 minutes and lunch in 10. Try 15 plus new recipes every week. But here's the best part. Green Chef delivers everything you need to make convenient, wholesome, and delicious meals directly to your doorstep. Each meal kit includes pre-measured ingredients, as well as some produce that comes already pre-chopped and custom sauces that are pre-made in-house. They also provide their recipe cards and the meals are really simple to make. It's a delicious, fresh, home-cooked meal without the hassle. What I love the most about Green Chef is that it takes the stress out of cooking. The recipes are easy to follow and everything you need is included. So even the less experienced cooks in your house can make a delicious home cooked meal. It's perfect for those seasons in your life that you're really busy with your kids' sports and school events. Hello, spring. And time is limited, especially if you want fresh home cooked 
healthy meals to put on the table. So if you're feeling frustrated by the lack of time to eat healthy and you are ready to try Green Chef and see how easily you can integrate it into your healthy lifestyle, go to greenchef.com forward slash I am human five zero and use code I am human five zero to get 50% off plus 20% off your next two months. That's greenchef.com forward slash I am human five zero and use the code I am human five zero to get 50% off plus 20% off your next two months. Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well. Equilibria is a woman-owned wellness brand with products intended to bring your mind and body back in harmony. They consider themselves a by women and for women company, and they now offer a nutrient-dense green powder called Daily Nutrigreens. Myself and my staff here at Nourish Wellness all tried the Daily Nutrigreens, and we loved it. The Daily Nutrigreens contain an immune antioxidant and detox blend, along with prebiotics, probiotics, and over 35 fruits and veggies. It also contains other important nutrients, such as B12, iron, zinc, and selenium. The Daily Greens are certified organic, and all you have to do is mix it with water, but you can also easily add to your smoothies, your oatmeal, or your baked goods. The Daily Nutrigreens are vegan, gluten-free, and non-GMO. Another bonus is that the packaging is compostable. Yay! When I tried the Apple Banana Daily Nutrigreens, I was surprised by the pleasant and mild flavor. It was easy to prepare and drink and didn't leave any aftertaste, and I felt great afterwards. It's really easy to create a daily ritual around your green drink, integrate it into your daily self-care routine. A green powder is one way to fill the gap in daily nutrition and is an easy and convenient way to get in your greens. These powders are a great way to add more nutrients into your diet during busy times, travel, and transitions in life when you don't have time or access to fresh green veggies. If you're interested in trying Equilibria's daily Nutrigreens, head to myeq.com and use code Dr. Yami, that's D-R-Y-A-M-I, for 15% off Equilibria's daily Nutrigreens and much more. That's myeq.com and use code Dr. Yami, D-R-Y-A-M-I, at checkout for 15% off site-wide today. Mother's Day is almost here. And you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. And now for a very important message. Hey, veggie lover, if you are looking for free resources to guide you on your plant-based and healthy living journey, go to dryami.com forward slash free for tons of free downloadable PDFs. Hundreds of people have taken advantage of my tips to help them reduce meat and dairy consumption, navigate eating out, and build satisfying plant-based meals. Download one or download them all. And don't forget to share with friends and family. DrYami.com forward slash free. And now back to the episode. So I'm going to do everything. I'm going to experience everything. I'm just going to do it all. But then I would wind up just stressed and overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And then I would just eat my feelings because I didn't like feeling that way. So Mm -hmm. it was like this vicious cycle. And I was like, what's wrong with me? What, you know? And so I think mm-hmm. understanding why I felt the need to do that just helped me relax and be like, oh, 
it was just like such this, like this realization, like, wow, that's just the way I learned it. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't necessarily mean I have to keep doing that. Mm-hmm. So um, talk a little bit about this. You talked a little bit about it before, like, but this rest and stress or like these growth patterns, because I feel like I've experienced that too. My husband's a type five. So it's <laughs> so interesting. And I, I read about how type sevens, when they're in a place of growth, they learn to be a little bit more like the type fives, mm-hmm. which is really interesting to me. But all these different types can have a pattern of growth where they might resemble or take characteristics of the other types. Could you, so can you explain that a little bit more? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So every number, so if you look at the Enneagram symbol, it's a circle and it has nine numbers around the outside. And each of those numbers has a line moving to another, another number. So um, we, I call them like the stress line and the rest line. You have one number that you go to when you're stressed out and it's kind of like early signs of like, oh, I'm getting stressed out. Um, and then you have one number that you go to when you feel like, oh, I feel safe. I feel relaxed. I'm, I'm comfortable here. Um, And then that can kind of reveal the part of you that maybe you're trying to save or protect because you feel like you can open up a little more. Um, And then I think of them also as like, this is my indicator that I need self-care. So the stress move is like information that, um, well, you're in need of self-care. So as a seven, I moved to type one. Type one is like the perfectionistic type. They very black and white thinking, very right and wrong. So ways that that I notice is I become a little bit more rigid. I become a little bit more um, judgmental and I'll start to really care about where the mustard is in the fridge. Like I'm like, why is it white? Or like, you know, we get packages and the boxes aren't put away immediately. I just get irritated and like frustrated. I'm like, oh, I am neglecting myself or like, where have I overscheduled myself or where have I overburdened myself? So that's our information, right? Like either either where it's information that we need self-care or sometimes we try to live out of that space. Like, oh, like if I go to the one place then I can get more done and I can do more with my life. And that's a really stressful way to live. This like perfectionistic, um, this place for us, you know, every number has their own version. And then we move to type five when we're in rest, right? When that's the information that one, we're in a safe place, it's also the way that we can intentionally infuse self-care. So, um, you know, if I start to feel disenchanted with my life or bored with my life, the more research I can do, the more information I can bring in, the more new things I learn, the more invigorated I'm going to feel, right? Um, or another way that this can show up is if we we can intentionally choose it, um, we can accidentally find ourselves there because maybe we're in a good place, or we can accidentally find ourselves there because we become complacent. Mm-hmm. And that's where that lower side of that number can come in. So um, I might kind of become a little bit more guarded or boundaried. Um, sometimes that's an intentional thing, right? Like I'm like, oh, boundaries are healthy for me. Everybody's not welcome here. And sometimes it's an accidental thing where I've slid down into just overly protecting myself and managing my energy so that no one's allowed in. Uh, It's all a balance, isn't it? Mm -hmm. I just love how you can see the same characteristics when taken to an extreme Mm -hmm. might not benefit somebody as much at some times, you know? So I love seeing, it's almost like you see these characteristics as more objectively, like, okay, when can this be helpful in my life? When mm-hmm. is it a sign that mm, maybe not everything is going right? And mm-hmm. you know, that going to type one, I call that my control freak. Everybody <laughs> at my house knows her. 
they're like looking at me like, what is wrong with you today? I'll take a deep breath. I'm like, just feeling a bit anxious today. I'll calm down. I promise. Mm-hmm. But I just had the whole, we open up the fridge and things are in the, why did, it's clearly labeled. There's a label here. That's where you put it. Okay. <laughs> I love it. Relatable. Okay. So how can learning the Enneagram help us improve relationships with other people? Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's first and foremost, this amazing tool for compassion. And I think that starts with ourselves too. Like, oh, I am able to now understand why I behave the way I do and why I kind of create these patterns. And once we're able to, one, offer that compassion to ourselves, but then we're more able to offer that to others. So as I read the types of the people in my life, um, I am now given insight into like their wounded child who needed love and who's trying to earn their safety. And I'm more able to see how how I can love them better because I now know language that I can speak to them in. And I know like what they're trying to achieve. Um, so I can reassure them that they're going to be okay in the, in the right ways. Now, my personal favorite way to like dramatically improve your relationships in using the Enneagram is to allow yourself to be loved unconditionally by yourself. So, um, if I, if we think about the Enneagram as this, our type structure, as the thing we think we have to be, um, and therefore, we restrict ourselves in some way. So, um, you know, type ones restrict themselves in imperfection. Type twos restrict themselves in their own needs getting met. Um, you know, type sevens, we restrict ourselves in our access to darkness and sadness and um, being with our present, with our negative emotions. Um, if we are restricting ourselves, then we are innately restricting others, right? So if I'm rejecting something in myself, I'm rejecting it in you too. Um, so if I think about my one of my pieces of my journey was when our kid would be really sad or he'd get really upset. I used to be like, just think about all the good things you have. Like, let's think positively. Let's be grateful for our life. Like, let's focus on the good. And eventually I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm doing to him what I do to myself, right? Like when I'm having a bad day, I'm like, whoa, you shouldn't be having a bad day. You should feel better. Um, and so I had to pause and really be like, hey, yeah, this sucks. This is a sad feeling. This is hard. And that's okay. It's okay that sometimes things are hard. And, you know, giving him what I often have not let myself have, um, I think was one of the biggest shifts. And I think we can do that with everyone, but it starts with us. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So powerful. I love that. What you said, I wrote it down. Allow yourself to be loved unconditionally mm-hmm. by yourself. I, I That's just so beautiful. And I feel like one of the reasons I learned to become a type seven was exactly that. My Mm -hmm. mother was always afraid of my emotions because I have very big emotions. And so whenever I would start to express them, she was like, just be grateful. You have so much. Plus we're Latin American. So that's kind of like just the (laughs) style. Be grateful. You know, don't cry. Everything is so great, you know? And so I would just feel so bad and so guilty for ever Mm -hmm. feeling sad about anything, you know? And so... I think we can perpetuate that cycle for our own children too. And learning that new style, learning more about ourselves, allowing that part of ourselves that does feel some of those big emotions and feels anger and sadness and whatever those feelings and allowing our children and our partners and our friends and family to also express those emotions as a gift that we give by allowing it in ourselves. That's just so beautiful. Mm -hmm. Next question has to do with couples (laughs) because one of the huge gifts, just like you talked about uh, earlier for me is appreciating and respecting my husband. Mm -hmm. So 
my husband and I were going to be in May, married 20 years already. So we've been together 24 and we've always just been really close. And the past decade, he's had a lot of stress, a lot of work stress. And he started, he's a type five. So he started needing to isolate, to Mm -hmm. just regenerate. And I freaked out. I was like, you don't love me. What's wrong? I mean, what's wrong with me? Why don't you want, I mean, anybody should feel better being around me. Right. I mean, like it just makes a lot of sense. I mean, I just don't understand why anybody would want to be by themselves when they could just be with me. So I never understood that. And then once I learned about his type, it was just like, boom. Wow. Okay. I've been trying to force him to try to regenerate his energy around this crazy chatterbox lady who's also a control freak half of the time. (laughs) But he really needed that time to rest and repair when he was under so much work stress. Mm -hmm. And immediately I'll calm down. I'm like, it has nothing to do with me. It has Mm -hmm. nothing to do with me. I'm still cool Mm -hmm. and awesome. He just needs that. So I felt like it just was miraculous from our relationship. And so now Mm -hmm. I ask him, do you need your alone time? I'll close the door. I'll let you have this time. And it, I don't take it personally. So tell me a little bit about Enneagram couples. And of course, there's going to be that question. Are there any combinations that are just like disastrous? Or are there any that are just like, wow, made in heaven? You know, I would say that first of all, any type can work with any other number as long as you're both working on yourself, right? Like as long as you're both willing to grow, grow, you're you're good to go. Um there, you know, each combination is going to have like its unique recipe for how this is going to work. Everything's going to be awesome and everything's going to suck. And you just have to pick which, which suck is the suck for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say you really nailed it when you said like, oh, this isn't about me. I think the Enneagram offers us this opportunity to see everything they're doing. is not about me. This is their fear. This is their um, story that they've carried their whole life. um, And that has been validated probably by multiple sources. This is what they have to do and who they have to be. And I can not take it personally. And then I can show them the compassion that I would, I need in return, you know, allow them the space to be that, but also, you know, encourage them into new ways. And, you know, I think about Oftentimes the compliments that we give the people in our life really validate um, this story, this message that they are only loved in this a certain way. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I think about again, I'll use I, I like to speak for myself and not not as much for others, but I will say as, you know, a seven, when people compliment me and say, Oh, you're so you're always so fun to be around, you're so happy, you're so joyful, that is so nice to hear. And it's more meaningful for me to hear, I love you when you show me your sadness, when you're, gosh, I'm so like impressed that you picked one thing and you really stuck to it. Um, Those compliments offer a level of like depth that um, being complimented for like being a sunshine, like I've been complimented on that my whole life. And therefore it's really solidified a path for me um, of self-protection. And then when you say, when my husband like holds me while I'm crying and is like, I love you. This is so good. It's so good that you're doing this. Um, that impacts me for the better. Um, and I think that we have this opportunity to, first of all, not take it personally, right? When they show up the way they do um, and to understand why they're doing it, which I just think is the easiest way to feel compassionate for someone, um, understanding the pain there, the fear there. And then from there, we can even get deeper with the people we love. 
Yes. No, I agree wholeheartedly. And I think the word that just comes up for me immediately, like I said before, is respect. Mm-hmm. Like respect yeah. that he is different than me, that his motivations, mm-hmm. his fears are different than me. And also to appreciate that, appreciate mm-hmm. that his his body, his brain, his intentions work differently than mine. And to give space for that. He's mm-hmm. not a big person. He's, he doesn't really enjoy all the self-improvement stuff, but, you know, just giving him space and taking that pressure off of me having to be the sunshine that makes Mm -hmm. everybody feel better all the time sort of person. Like, I don't have to do anything. I could just let him do his thing and respect that, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think it's just been revolutionary in my relationship, at least for me, I don't know for him, (laughs) but that's so cool to learn about. One thing that I've always been curious about with Enneagram types, are there any types that resist learning about the Enneagram or some that are just like Enneagram fanatics? Like, do you see any differences there? Like most type whatevers really Mm -hmm. love the Enneagram and dive deep into it. And then there's some that are maybe a little bit more skeptical and resist like the labeling or any of that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that most of the people who struggle with the Enneagram are people who've been mistyped. Mm. And, you know, it's like, until you've really read a good description of your type, then you feel skeptical. Like, I don't really get it. I'm not interested. Um, But almost every number, once you really read the description of your type, you start to feel so known that it's, it, you need people to, you need to talk about it because it's, it's like revealed something in you. Um, I would say that I, the, of the most skeptical that I found is type five, um, just because there's, there's a lot of things going on with the Enneagram that I think type fives would be resistant to. Um, it's kind of like a mystical beginning. Like it's like, give me the evidence, give me the proof. Um, and then it's also, you know, it's a limit. It feels a little bit like, you're being put into a box, even though once you get through it, you start to realize that you're not. Um, there's this initial resistance that can happen in our fives. Um, and then also, you know, it just, it's a lot of, a lot of time and energy, a lot of like, if you want, if you're, there's a, the one-to-one type fives, they're fascinated by human nature, right? Like they're more inclined to go deep into the Enneagram, um, because that's their area of interest. But, fives are going to want to give their time and attention to the things that really matter to them. They they kind of think like, okay, I have this cup of energy and it, as the day goes on, it gets depleted. And at the end of the day, it's going to be empty. Is this where I want to put that time? Um, some fives, yes. And some fives, absolutely not. So that's really the only type. And eights, I would say, um, are pretty quick to decide if they like something or don't like something. But most eights, I've, I, most of a lot of people I know who love the Enneagram are type eights because um, they're like, this is it. This is explaining everything because most of their life they've been misunderstood. And so here's the information. And I think we all kind of feel that. Um, And I think, yeah, I think, so I really think the only ones I've really interacted with who are like, as a, as a whole tend to be more skeptical are fives. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, I, you just described my husband to a T is he's more like, that's a waste of time. <laughs> you know, like I'm not going to use my, but you know, I've together, I think he's seen the value of it. And mm-hmm. 
he may not research it himself, but I talk to him about it and ask him, is this true for you? Let me read this. Is this true for you or not? And almost 100% of the time, he's like, nope, yep, that's me. And so that way I can help understand, at least I can help understand him better. And mm-hmm. I feel like it's helped our relationship that way. Okay. So this is the question that I feel like you've already, re- you know, kind of referred to a little bit, but should we try to type other people? Um, no, we should not. <laughs> and it is very hard. It is so hard. Um, because we're going to start to notice patterns. We're going to start to notice like certain ways that people speak or talk or mannerisms even. And you, you are like, Oh, I think. Um, and so it's re- it is really hard not to type other people, but it's important because it is motivation based. And like I said, so many people in my life thought I was a two or a one and I would love to have two or one problems. And if those people in my life, let me believe I was a two or a one, if I had gone on with that, then I wouldn't have improved. And, and therefore our lives wouldn't have improved. You know, our relationships wouldn't have improved. Um, so it is important to let everybody have their own experience with it because it is it is internal. So again, it doesn't matter what your behavior is. It's why you're doing the things that you're doing. Um, so we just can't possibly really know. And, um, and I think that there's um, a level of like limiting intimacy when we decide for someone, you know, if I, like we talked about with our kiddo, like I want him to tell me his type. Um, I have an inclination, but I want him to tell me because I don't want to give him answers about who he is. I want to be someone who's curious about who he is his whole life. I want him to tell me, um, because if he gets to tell me who he is, then he gets to be like, he gets to be the decider for his own identity. And I think that is such a safe place um, to become a person. And now for a very important message. Hey mama, if you are feeling frustrated about mealtime battles, worried that your child isn't eating enough or eating enough vegetables, afraid that your child is going to get some awful deficiency or disease because of the lack of diversity in their diet, I wrote a book that might be for you. A Parent's Guide to Intuitive Eating, How to Raise Kids Who Love to Eat Healthy is available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook through all major online booksellers. Did you know that most children are born with the innate ability to eat the appropriate amount of food to satisfy their hunger and support appropriate growth? Despite this, parents are still anxious and confused about how much and what to feed their children. In addition, many children are labeled as picky eaters or develop behaviors such as hiding and sneaking food. There's also a growing epidemic of dieting behaviors and eating disorders beginning at alarmingly young ages. In my book, you'll learn the five pillars of healthy eating, how to apply intuitive eating through all the stages of development, lifestyle habits that support healthy eating and body image, troubleshooting and problem solving for picky eaters, overeating and dieting behaviors, how to create and foster a healthy body image in your children, how exploring your own body image and relationship with food will help raise an intuitive eater, and what foods to offer your child at different stages of development. A Parent's Guide to Intuitive Eating, How to Raise Kids Who Love to Eat Healthy, available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook through all major online booksellers. Are you ready for a fresh approach to feeding your child? For more information, visit dryami.com forward slash book. And now back to the episode. 
Yeah. It's almost like you're taking away their power, their individuality to do that mm-hmm. and possibly even doing them a disservice because mm-hmm. like you said, then they're not able to go through that path of discovery by learning themselves what their mm-hmm. type is. So yes, thank you for saying that because I think it yeah. is very tempting at the beginning of the mm-hmm. Enneagram journey. You just get so excited about it and you're just like, oh, I wonder what they are. Oh, I wonder what they are. Oh, maybe mm-hmm. they're, you know? And so I think it's important to take a step back and be like, you know, and understand myself and maybe talk to the person about the Enneagram if they've ever mm-hmm. done it or learned about it, but try not to tell people you're definitely this mm-hmm. time. <laughs> and I think it's fun to get that energy out. Like I do it with TV shows and movies and, and stuff like that. Like that's a good way to get that energy out and like play with that and kind of mm-hmm. develop your understanding of the types. Um, but just like, and you know, you can do it internally, but just like let people tell you who they are and trust them, believe them. Yes. Okay. I love it. So what would you say are common Enneagram pitfalls that people experience? Mm -hmm. I think the first one is taking a quiz, getting your result and not relating to it and giving up. So, um, you know, definitely go deeper. If you don't relate to the number you get when you take the test, keep reading. Um, the second one, again, I think is typing other people. Um, you know, I think limiting connection with people because you, you replace their humanness with a number. So say, oh, you're being such a two right now. Um, instead, can we can we replace that with language um, or questions? Can I say like, oh, it seems like you're over-sacrificing your needs in this moment um, and you don't have to do that. You're okay. You're loved. Um, that's so much more meaningful than, re- than saying like, oh, you're being a two. Um, that's, you know, I, my friend Hillary McBride, she, she and I did an interview and she was like, it's objectifying. Um, you know, in that interview, she was like, you know, you're literally replacing a person with an object when you call them a number. And I think that's really meaningful um, to to hold that and to really say, can I see this person as a person and not a number? Um, the other pitfall that we get into, I think, is not learning about the other types, you know, really going in, reading our type, feeling like, okay, cool. And then leaving other people's uh, re- leaving the other types on the table. And this is important for a couple of reasons. One, you're going to interact with everybody on the Enneagram. So the more you know, the better in that way. But also you, you know, if we look at it this way, you have your dominant type, then you most subtypes can kind of resemble another type. So that's a second one. You have the numbers on either side of you, which are called your wings that you pull from. So that's two more types. Then you have your lines of stress and rest, which are two more types. Um, so by the end of this, right, you're connected to six numbers on the Enneagram. And um, some of these, if you're a counter type, maybe you have two types that you can look like. So then you're that's even more. So at the end of the day, like we really do have all these numbers at play in us. We have our one dominant worldview, but really the we have the system within us, um, already. And, and we, I, there's this amazing teacher called Dr. Jerome Lou Delube. I don't know how to pronounce his last name to Um, and he is like, teaches the brain-based Enneagram and he talks about how like your brain isn't, isn't one thing. It just has quicker access points to all of the different pieces. So you know, we talk about like you have a, a, yes, I have easier access, faster access to type seven, but then, you know, maybe type one's next and, have, you know, I have a quicker access to that. So yeah, don't stop at just one number, really learn the system and learn all the numbers because it's going to offer you so much more and your relationship so much more. 
Wow, that's so nice. And I think also just to clarify for everybody, I mean, I hope this is obvious, but there's no good or bad number. Right. There's no good or bad type. And I think yeah. if you're just like, oh, you're such a type two, that's just sad because mm-hmm. make all your, your happy, you know, fun type twos all sad and everything. So I think mm-hmm. it's just important to know that for every type, there's the, there's characteristics that may be more beneficial than others or things that you're doing when you're under stress or when you're in rest, but there's no good or bad type. And I think mm-hmm. also what you were alluding to is when we get in touch with these other types within us, but also other types on the Enneagram, get more familiar with them. It allows us to have more empathy too. Mm-hmm. So maybe yeah. I don't naturally, my first inclination naturally is not to be like a two, maybe it's not, mm-hmm. but when I learn about it, I can understand them a little bit better and understand why they're motivated to be that way. And that gives me more mm-hmm. empathy. And so just like in, giving more self-acceptance to us, to ourselves, that allows us to have more acceptance for our friends and family and all our peers around us. Mm-hmm. Sarah Jane, what do you wish more people knew? This could be about anything. Mm. I wish more people knew that it is absolutely okay to get your needs met and that you are not taking from other people and that other people's wants aren't more important than your needs. Love it. Beautiful. And what personal habit are you most proud of? How did you develop it? How did you, how do you maintain it? Tell me about that. Um, I have a luxurious morning routine that I am just obsessed with. Um, so that's the one, like I journal every morning. I do yoga every morning. I have like a fantastic skincare routine that I love. It's just like so fun for me. Um, and I have like my coffee, my breakfast routine. It's just like, takes like two or three hours and I live for it. I don't ever miss it. Oh, that sounds so fabulous. Two to three hour morning routine. Wow. It's like a spa day every day is what it sounds like. That's awesome. Okay. So the last thing I want to, for you to give us some information earlier, you said that there's a couple of ways that we can really know our type, either work with a professional or you know, delve deeper into these types. So what resources, where can you send people to They They heard this. They're like, all right, I'm dying to know what my type is. Where do I go? Send me to the place, please. Yeah. Um, so I have three kind of tiers of suggestion for you. Um, the first one is I have a book called the honest Enneagram. If you grab a copy, um, just read through the types, um, that's going to help you a lot. And that will probably give you a decent start. If you're still confused at that point, if maybe you're deciding between two or three types, I have a self-typing workshop that's on my website, enneagramandcoffee.com. And it's um, you know $29. You take the workshop. It walks you through all of the elements and it walks you through um, type comparison. So, okay, I think I might be a type one. I think I might be a type seven. Let's talk about why you would be or wouldn't be one of, one of those. And then if you're like, I still need support. I want one-on-one support. Um, I have a really good friend called Evan Barbie or her name is Evan Barbie. Um, and she does one-on-one typing sessions. She's the one I always recommend. Re- I can't do one-on-ones, but she's incredible. So um, check out Evan Barbie. Um, she's on Instagram, easy to find. Perfect. And how can listeners connect with you? What are all your socials and your website, please? Yeah. So um, I am Enneagramandcoffee.com. I'm also Enneagram and Coffee on Instagram. And we have a podcast called Enneagram and Coffee as well. 
so many different resources. And I'm assuming on your podcast, you can delve deeper into some of the types and subtypes and all of these things. So for people that really want to take off and learn more, all of those wonderful resources. Okay. So last thing I'm going to ask you for is to leave us with one call to action for the week. So what is one thing that my listeners can do to get to know themselves a little better this week? Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, this week, I think I encourage you to take a few minutes in the morning and ask yourself, what is my heart, mind, body, and soul need today? And then see if you can give that to yourself. Beautiful. Easy. And it's free. So (laughs) definitely is something that you can start doing right away. What a great practice. Thank you so much, Sarah Jane, for joining me on Veggie Doctor Radio today. I hope that more people will now be curious and excited about the Enneagram, check out your resources, and through this process, get to know themselves a little bit better, accept themselves unconditionally, and also those around them. So thank you so much, and I hope that you have a very plantastic day. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, veggie lover, I hope that you loved today's episode. Will you take a second and do me a huge favor? Please subscribe to my podcast so that you never miss an episode. You're the reason I'm here and I want to share it all with you. Thank you for listening and have a plantastic day. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.